Welcome to the Pro Wrestling For You podcast. Snap, crackle and cheap pops. And here's your host, Mr. Phil Woodvine. Good evening, ladies and gents. It is indeed Mr. Phil Woodvine. I'm here with another episode of Snap, Crackle and Cheap Pops. And on today's show, someone I've been looking forward to speaking to all week. Like, it's... Like, I can't say I've been looking forward to speaking to this person for, like, years on end. Because... We've kind of like lost a little bit of touch, but we've got back together. And you know what? This guy has got some stories you're not going to hear from anybody else. He's been a referee, a booker, a manager. He has literally done it all. He's kind of taken a little bit of a step back from the professional wrestling business for a little while now, which means the stories he's going to be telling, the points of view he's going to be bringing to the table are going to be absolutely fucking fantastic really hope you enjoy the show so without further ado please allow me to introduce to you mr matt castle matt how the devil are you doing sir hello sweetheart how's my breath <laughs> it is uh, minty and fragrant as ever yes <laughs> i mean like wait seriously where where the body hell do we start because before we even get into bwa fcw united wrestling person for all that stuff how long have you been kind of I don't, see, I, don't, I don't even like saying gone from the wrestling business because you're still a fan. You still watch the shows and everything. But in terms yeah. of um, actively performing and actively being a part of shows, how long have you been gone now? Uh, I, I stepped away in 2014. So it would have been uh, my last show with United Wrestling at Bids uh, was in November of the previous year. Um, we could get into how all that ended if you want to later on, but um, oh, yeah, and th- yeah, and then um, following Christmas, I had another couple of shows with uh, EDW and SWA with Simon Brown around Christmas time, and then you know, I think probably in January was when I decided that you know I was going to take a step away, probably for my own mental health. And initially, yeah. my initially my 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 idea was to just step away for six months, maybe a year tops, just kind of decompress. Um, And then the longer I stayed away, the longer it just kind of, I just thought, ah, I'm actually quite happy just (laughs) not being around uh, those people, you know, if if, if you like. And uh, so, and it's been, yeah, so 2014, so it's, wow, seven years, which is nuts, absolutely nuts to think Uh, about. Sometimes. So go on. I was just going to say, sometimes it feels like it was just yesterday, and then other times I think, wow, you know, it feels like a another lifetime. So it's yeah. Because you did mention, obviously, you stepping away for your for your mental health. For me, and this business, I think it gets the better of people, and it also gets the worst of people. I mean, I'll hold my hands up to say I've kind of done both sides. I've done, I've been egotistical, stubborn as fuck, Phil Woodvine, and I've been. I know, I know, Kelsey Priest. But I've also <laughs> been, like, I have, um, I won't name the people because I don't think that's right, but I have funded wrestlers to buy new gear, to buy merch. Um, like, I've kind of gone out my way to say, this is my investment in you. Don't worry about it. I mean, it's probably maybe two, you know, 100 quid, 200 quid, whatever for merch. But that's like, whatever owner, promoter, whatever does that, like, apart from Vince McMahon or whatever. Probably, but right. well, like, I mean, that's the good stuff that I've done. But I've done equal amounts of bad stuff. You know, I've walked away, I've you know, lost contact, I've lost relationships, I've lost friendships. This business does get it's like a yin yang scenario, it doesn't get in the middle, it gets extreme. So, walking away for your mental health, 
I do totally understand it. And I'm sure anyone listening to this, if you've been in this business, chances are you thought about it, you considered it, you may even have done it for like a little while. But you're happy to to be a fan, to just watch it as a fan and just not have that sort of added stress on your shoulders? Yeah, I mean, I won't lie to you. I probably, you know, my knowledge of British wrestling has deteriorated since... Uh, since I've stepped away, I, you know, I, there's, there's certain people I kept in contact with for a, for a long time, um, you know, and, and I still got people, even though I don't speak to them really much anymore, I still consider friends. In terms of what still watching British wrestling, I'll hear bits and bobs. I mean, I think right after I stepped away, it kind of had a, ooh, British wrestling got huge, didn't it, for a while, and everybody was talking about it. Like, I listened to a lot of podcasts, you know, American podcasts that cover what's happening, you know, with WWE and all that bollocks. And uh, even, you know, it, people, it was, it was getting on people's radar, you know, even on that level. And people have, have come out from that time now. You've got Zach Gibson, who's in NXT. And, you know, it, so, so yeah, I, I stepped away at a time when wrestling in this country started to get really big. Um, but, um, but I missed all of that, really, apart from the little bits I'd hear. I, 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 wasn't, I wasn't involved at all. I was a little bit oh, bitter, really, at the way, I mean, God. You know, woe is me. But I felt a little bit uh, slighted by the way things went down at the end there. But at the yeah. same time, at the same time, I met a lot of great people. I met a lot of great people. Um, some really, really good people, like uh, the guys at EDW in uh, Shrewsbury. Couldn't even tell you that company's still going now. Um, okay. Simon Brown with SWA in Telford. Lovely, lovely guy. Uh, you had uh, Magic Mark on. Uh, I heard that episode when I was preparing for this, yeah? Lovely yeah. bloke, like, lovely, kind man, uh, intelligent guy. You know, if, if, if the business of British wrestling was filled with people like that, I would still be doing it now. But then, at the same time, is the ugly side. And at the same time, listening to what you just said, <laughs> you can understand the ugly side a little bit, because when I was booking for United Wrestling for that 18-month period... I get pissed off with people. You lose your patience with people. You think, oh, my God, you know, I'm pulling teeth here. And, and, and you find yourself looking back thinking, did I really speak to that person the right way? Did I, could I have handled this situation differently? And that was just from, you know, a year and a half of booking a show uh, at Bids in Longton in Stoke in front of 100 people. We got it up to 100 people, <laughs> which was actually a, a, an achievement for that place, believe it or not. Well, you'll know. But uh, yeah, so even on a low scale like that, it, the stresses are, uh, uh, can can be quite intense. Um, so I, I, you know, I don't. I'm, I've started to ramble now, but yeah, I think you kind of get the point I'm trying to make. I mean, I'm I'm going to have to ask. So when you left um, you, um, the wrestling business in sort of 2000, and, say 2014. Yeah. So the last show I I did was right at the end of 2013, and then I made the decision in in 2014. Just I wasn't going to be coming back. Yeah. Had, uh, had bids had the whole makeover before you'd left, or was it still the old shit kind of building? <laughs> like, like, let's call it what it is. Look, I'm not shitting on the promotions because there have been a couple that have worked there. I'm not shitting on any wrestlers that have wrestled there. That's not the case at all. I'm strictly saying that building, in my own personal opinion, was not fit for purpose. I mean, yeah, like because I know you were there when I was there, so I know you saw it when it as bad as it had been. Well, had it been updated and cleaned uh, by the time you left? 
cleaned is uh, a strong word, but um, <laughs> <laughs> but um, I think toward the end they had started to do some renovations. Um, I don't know what it looks like now. So when you say it's it, it's been done up, I don't know if um, it got another kind of uh, makeover in the years after I left. I do know they were doing some renovations on the place before, in the, the last few months I was there, but that didn't improve things because that just meant we got to the shows. You get there in the afternoon uh, on a show day and the place would just be a shit tip because, <laughs> because you know, the, the builders had been in, <laughs> literally, <laughs> and there was rubble everywhere and there was just shit everywhere. So not only did we have to set up seats, set up the ring, set up the stage, set up the, the lighting and all that, we also had to clean up after the... Uh, after the workmen, so uh, and then it, it became even more hazardous. You know, they were trying to improve the place and made it worse for a little period there. So to answer your question, it, it was a, it was a shithole the whole time I was there. Yeah. yeah, but it had character. It had character, and it's those people definitely, come to yep. the church, they were crazy. But I, um, that, you know, I I loved it. There was a charm about it, even though it, yeah, it was a, it was a, it was a terrible shithole. Yeah, I mean, I like I, I've <laughs> I don't have a the other day I even say this, but I was, try, I was trying to tell some uh, some people about the secret little cupboard backstage, oh, yeah. backstage at bids. Now, I'm not leading you on, so I'm not giving you any cues or anything, but just so you can verify, just just for you, for the stuff that I've said about it already, can you describe that little cupboard in the back for me? Is that the cupboard where you had them two midgets, or was that a different cupboard? I'm, I, I lose track of the... <laughs> Wait, what? <laughs> oh, you little no. shit! <laughs> no, the 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 the, um, the cupboard. Uh, so we were backstage behind a curtain, and obviously there was only one uh, toilet in the in the uh, in the building. Obviously, and if you were going, if you needed the loo, you would have had to have gone out and through the people in your gear or whatever. So you couldn't do that. So there was a cupboard in one of the changing areas where people had just. <sighs> I mean, well, I don't know what it was. It was just kind of like a, um, was it like a boiler room or something? And people just went in there and pissed and probably shit in buckets. And oh yes. yeah, it was, it was fantastic. It was kind of, it was kind of like um, maybe, yeah, like, like a spare room, like a spare like outhouse built onto one of the main rooms. And yeah, remember, remember sort of Squirt having a dump and uh, chucking it like, like a chimp. Into that, into that cupboard. Mul- I mean, everyone had a wee. You could, you could smell it from the back of the building, but you could smell it from a mile off. So I'm just, I, I do think it, the whole place is out of renovation. Um, so I'd love to see what it's like backstage now. But when I'm telling people that, that that's accurate, that people would shit in a cupboard and leave, it's like, no. It's like, seriously? I yep. remember that somebody had shit. You just said it was squirt. <laughs> yeah. I mean, it, it probably was a few people. I couldn't remember exactly who it was, but we all definitely went for a piss back there. And it was, uh, hey, it's wrestling, eh? That's what it's all about. <laughs> oh, it definitely got character, definitely got character. But as we get <coughs> into United Wrestling, we're going to have to start like at the very, very beginning. So would that be BWA for you or was there something before BWA? Yeah, so um, <clears throat> it all started for me in 2004, way before I even met you. And it was yeah. the first person I ever met in uh, the business with Keith Myatt. Uh, Keith worked with my dad at Spode. And for those of you d- that don't know, Spode was a pot bank in Stoke. Me, pottery, obviously. And uh, so 
he got talking to my dad. My dad told him that I was into wrestling, blah, blah, blah. And Keith told him, you know, I, I run, uh, I don't think he ran the school, but he, he did the seminars at the school in Nottingham on Sundays. Um, I can't remember what the promotion was called, um, but they had a little promotion in a little school. And it was right there on, uh, you know, for football fans, they'll know the Notts County Football Stadium in Nottingham. And so, um, yeah, Keith came, <clears throat> came around to the house one day, met Keith chatted to him, told him I'd been a wrestling fan all my life. I'm like 18 at this, at this time. So uh, he, drove us, he drove us down to Nottingham. Uh, uh, so with Ryan, Ryan, his lad, was 13 at the time. Would you believe, like, yeah, just, just crazy to think how young he was. Like, he was a little boy. Um, yeah, so, um, and then we picked up uh, Pip on the way, Bubblegum. So apart from Keith, he was the first person outside of Keith that I met in the business. Obviously, he went on to do, you know, really excellent things. And, oh, and then probably went on to uh, do not-so-excellent things afterwards, but we're going to skip over that bit. Okay. Are we editing that, or are we just going <laughs> to... We'll, we'll, we'll let Chris, the editor, decide. <laughs> yeah, okay. He went on to do excellent things in wrestling. Um, don't, don't forget, I've been away for a few years. I've heard one or two things, but, um, yeah, we'll leave it at that. But as, as a wrestler, fantastic, and we'll just say that. Um, so these people were the first, you know, people I met, and for maybe six months to a year, I went and trained not only in Nottingham with Keith, but also because he was a friend of my dad's, I used to pay him 20 quid. And once a week we used to go up to Keel university campus in the sports hall there. And he'd train me one-on-one -on -one in the squash court, squash uh, courts. We'd put the mats down and he would, uh, yeah. And we would, he would train me one-on-one -on -one there. So that went on for maybe six months or a year. And then uh, <laughs> I, was, I actually did a battle royal as well. You could probably tell me what the working men's club is in, in Stoke that where Chris Curtis used to do his shows. Is it London Road, something like that? Um, is it the one with the really, really low ceiling? Yeah, yeah, like for you. Um, yeah. The, the one down Trent Vale, is that the one? No, no, not Trent Vale. It was the, the one in Stoke. Anyway, it doesn't matter. I, um, so I, there, was a, there was a show there. And that's like I, I was putting the I was putting the battle royal in there. That was my first experience of being in an actual match. Keith was in that. Uh, Mike Weaver was in that. Uh, Bubblegum was in that. Ah, I had no idea. I had no idea. Is that right? Yeah, uh, Mike Weaver. Not not so long ago. Um, I think it might have been Keith that broke the news to me, or it might have been Keith. It was either Keith or Ryan. I know it's, it's one of the two. Just said, uh, just give you a little bit of a heads up. Uh, Mike Weaver's passed, and yeah, he was a really nice guy. He kind of looked a bit intimidating, like he'd, he'd pull your head off your shoulders, but really genuinely lovely bloke. He was uh, he was old school as well, you know, old school. Yeah. But uh, yeah, so, so uh, you know, I, I was involved in that. And then what happened was, after maybe a year, I uh, it kind of, what led to my uh, stepping away that first time was I uh, started seeing a girl, and... You know, the beginning of all great stories starts with I started seeing a girl. But I genuinely did. I started seeing this girl and she went she went to uni in Birmingham. And um, I stupidly, 18 years old, coming up to 19, been with I'd been with her for about six months. I moved to Birmingham to live with her. So so that was kind of it. And I um, my plan wasn't to step away completely. Again, my plan wasn't to step away completely. I thought I'll still pop down and see Keith and, you know, from time to time. I just never did. I just never did. And then I didn't get back involved until a good few years later, until I met you. 
you could probably pick it up from there. I mean, see, this this is crazy for me because I've got a couple of points I've I've, I've got to like make. Look, I've I've known you getting on for over a decade now, probably eleven, twelve years, perhaps. Yeah, something like that. Yeah, something somewhere there. Definitely over ten, but maybe sort of ten to twelve, something like this. And I didn't even know that about you, so like that's pretty cool for me to kind of find this out. But one thing, I mean, I definitely, I definitely did tell you, but you just don't listen. You know what I mean? <laughs> it's, it's been a decade. I've slept once or twice since then, maybe yeah. three or four times, perhaps. But you'd have been at that school when our announcer, Mister Daniel Terry, was at that school. Is so that right? It, yeah. So it'd be really like you, you uh, when when I did his. Um, I'll have to go back and listen to his episode. I know that's a bit of a cheap plug, but yeah, he was talking about going and wrestling with Keith at the, yeah, the Knotts County Wrestling School around this time. So there may even be some crossover between you and Mr. You know, the, the voice of wrestling for you, Mr. Daniel Terry. I will have to double check that. But I wonder cool. if it's one of those yeah, like small world scenario kind of things. Yeah, yeah. Well, um, I, I don't know. I, I, the name doesn't ring a bell, to be honest with you. Um, but... Uh, I uh, I'll, I'll check it out. Maybe maybe I do know him. Yeah, like, we'll, we'll we'll do that after. Because if it is, that's that's one of those like really cool little tidbits. Just you know, you never know who you're going to come across in this business. Tidbits. Oh, I knew you're going to pick up on tidbits for God's sake. <laughs> so we've we've gone through that bit. Maybe around 2008, 2009, 2010 ish. Yeah. Um, we get introduced to each other. I I'm okay. I'm really bad for this. I don't remember when or where we would have met. Um, I don't remember the exact day, um, but um, we met. <laughs> I'd be worried if you did. It was a Thursday. It was five <laughs> twenty-eight p.m. You're wearing that purple jumper that I always said I, I liked. So like, whoa, yeah, this, this, is, this is getting a little bit weird. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I got the date tattooed on my arse. I was just trying to be cool, to be honest with you. But yeah, it was. Uh... But no, we met through a mutual friend of ours called John. I had John. And um, we got John talking. Won't, John won't listen to this. Bloody hell, he's, he's got like 20 kids now or something. So I don't know. Yeah, he's when, never, when he's he hears I'm on, when he hears I'm on, he'll definitely listen. I'll make him. But um, yeah, so we met through John. And then uh, obviously through talking to you, I found out that you were involved. And, and then after a long time of talking about it, you eventually got me to, to come down, didn't you? And you were training with Chris Curtis. And um, yeah, that I mean, that was you know, <laughs> Chris Curtis was a prick and he was a bully, <laughs> but um, yeah, I mean, but um, I, I mean, I'm not involved, I can say, I can say it, I can say it, I've got, got nothing to be afraid of, but that, that them are the facts. Put a bit of a sort of timestamp on it for us. So, I know I started BWA, I think it was May 2007, so I, yeah. I can't remember, like, so do you happen it was to 2010. It was it was 2010 when you were. I mean, we'd been friends for a couple of years, but by the time you got me, you dragged me down to you know get involved and, and get back into training and stuff. It was it was 2010, and uh, you guys. By the time I got there, you know your your main friends there were uh, Mark Glover Jones and Bear uh, Grant, and uh, by the time I got there, you know. You guys, I believe, were already starting to become a little bit disgruntled with Curtis and not only his training methods, but just the way he would treat people. Um, you know, his very kind of dictatorial attitude. He would dictate to people what bookings they could and couldn't take and just just a whole lot of shit. What a knob. But um, so by the time I got, I, um, you, yeah, you guys were already kind of disgruntled. So I 
maybe did a handful of sessions uh, with Curtis, came to a couple of shows, and then by, by the end of the year, you guys were gone, or you were gone, and I kind of yeah. just went with you. Yeah, I mean, cause I think I left... Um... Oh, which one would it have been? It was the the the, the Betley show. It was like um, it's like, it's like, <laughs> like would you would you have been on that one? I can't remember for the life. Yeah, it would have been yeah. June, July, yeah. August. Betley is in the middle of a massive cow pat field. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. The, the, yeah, the the crowd were easily you know twenty feet, fifty feet away from us, so they were making noise, but we couldn't fucking hear them. The um, the changing room was about two hundred feet away from the ring, so they're the playing. Tent. Yeah, they're playing some music as we're trying to like walk out. You're trying to walk for two hundred feet through cow shift. You're dodging, <laughs> you know, ducking and diving and all this sort of thing to go to a thirteen foot ring to wrestle, and you can't hear the crowd because they're even further away. So like, what the fuck are we doing? And that yeah, was my so last. Was oh that was your last show, was it? Yeah, I remember the the ring was was just there in the middle of the field, and then the people because it was a Betley show, and every year they have Betley show, um, which for those of you who don't know is like a village just outside of you know Newcastle under Limestoke, whatever, on the way to Crew, and uh, every year it'd be like Betley show, and it's like in this big field, and they have rides, and they'd have horse riding, and all this stuff, and then obviously we had wrestling, and the the ring was right there in the middle of the field. And then the people were just kind of behind this rope. A good, I mean, it felt like 50 feet away. It couldn't have been that far, but it was, they were not close against the ring. And there was, yeah, there was a big cow pat on the, on the grass next to the, next to the <laughs> ring. And that was good. That was, yeah, that was, I wasn't on that show, but I came along and helped set up the ring and that, you know. I mean, like the, the, the two best things, like I've got to say, I mean, I've got pictures of that show somewhere. So I'm, I'm going to have to like, I'm going to have to find them out, have a little look at them. Now, for the guys that are trying to act hard as they're walking to the ring, they've got mm-hmm. that proper hard man carrying rolls of carpet under your arm kind of swagger until they're just about to stand in a cow pad and they do this little skip to the side, this little whoop. It's the weirdest thing in the world because you've got like some Metallica playing you out. You're walking out to that beat and then from nowhere you do this little skip. It's not a great look. It really is. The cowpat shuffle, yeah. Cowpat shuffle. And there was loads of cowpats around the ring. So I think it's like typical carnival show, three matches, then a rumble. You know, typical, <laughs> yeah. typical kind of thing. And people that were getting thrown over the top rope and uh, you know, being eliminated were landing so close to these cowpats. So in a couple of these pictures, they're trying to sell it, but they're not going to sell landing in a big, massive cow shit. So they're just kind of diving out the way of them so they do like a Shawn Michaels Hulk Hogan from SummerSlam additional bump on top of the bump they're just taken just so they don't go face down and cow shit I mean I don't remember this exactly but with some of the guys trying to you know deliberately throw each other on the side of the ring where the shit was I can neither confirm nor deny, but I was the manager yeah. at ringside, and I was definitely kind of kicking occasional people, like putting my foot on their bum and then kind of scooting them to where the <laughs> kind of powerpacks were. Obviously, I wasn't doing that with everyone. I'm not stupid. Like, I wouldn't do that. I think Drew McDonald was on that show. Like, I wouldn't, or, or Sabotage, you know, all these big, big guys. I'm not going to do it to any of them. I don't fancy you. Uh, 
pooping out my own teeth the next day. But uh, yeah, you would just yeah. get people like Dave Callas. Yeah, Dave Callas, the uh, Tom Barney, that's what his name was, and uh, those those kind of guys. Just give them a little nudge in the sort of cow shit direction. But what a way to go out on, you know. That was that was my last BWA show. I'm guessing. Uh, did you? So did you? Finish BWA at that point. You didn't go along to any more shows. You didn't. Oh, mate, help. no, yeah, yeah, yeah. I um, I was there because of you. So, and I didn't. I, you know, like I say, I wasn't loving the experience under Chris Curtis as it was. So, as soon as you were out, I was like, yeah, sound. Let's let's do it. Uh, I mean, from, from what I'm, I've kind of been hearing about, obviously, you've been away from the business for a good sort of six, seven years. Um, last year, lots of this speaking out stuff uh, kind of came about, which obviously we're not going to get too deep into because that's that's a show for another day, and that's that's a whole big can of worms. But loads of these kinds of issues were highlighted with trainers, like so many people were speaking out, um, especially like female talent, but yeah, young uh, uh, male talent as well. Were just saying, yeah, my trainer won't let me go elsewhere. My trainer won't let me look elsewhere. I can't even do anything at all without their say so. It's like shit him out. That's just like the experience we had with BWA. I mean, I'm forever I have to admit, I'm forever grateful um to BWA so I can get my foot in the door. I don't necessarily agree with a lot of what Chris Curtis did. Uh, some bits I get. He's doing them for business reasons, and some people were treating it like a youth club. I get it, you know. There's there's money at stake. I get it, um, but I, I'm not necessarily going to knock him. I'm not going to praise him, but I'm also not going to knock him. So that's just kind of like my take on uh, BWA. Yeah, I'll, I'll knock him for both of us, mate. Ah, fair enough, fair enough. Um, so in right, so in between BWA and obviously landing at United Wrestling. Um, we took a little road trip, and I've been wanting to tell this story. Since we agreed to do this show, I've been wanting to tell this, this road trip story with you. So it would, we've, we weren't at BWA. BWA was the first Sunday of every month, if, if I've got that kind of correct. And wrestling once a month, your body can't get used to it. You're taking bumps solidly for six hours, and then nothing for another three or four weeks. So you're aching because your body can't get used to it. So we'd, I think it might have been me. I found a company called FCW. It's a future championship wrestling down in... Dudley. Down in Dudley. That's the one. Um, said to Matt, said to a guy who wrestled under the name Marcus Maximus and his tag team partner in the tag team called Double uh, XL. Uh, we called him Bear. Can't, we can't remember for the life of us what his wrestling name was. Maybe it was just the Bear, perhaps. We, we don't bear. know. Bear, I'm thinking it was Bear. Well, why else would we have called him Bear? Otherwise, that's just mean, isn't it? Yeah, probably. I mean, he, he did look like a bear, though, to be fair. Call me Bear. I'm getting out the car. His name must have been Bear. Yeah, well, we'll say it's Bear. So it's me, Matt Castle, got Bear, and we got Marcus Maximus. And Mark was a good 25, 26 stone. He is a big, big chap. There's no way. Lovely guy. Like, really sound, really awesome guy, but a, a, a big chap. Bear, maybe 18 to 20 stone, perhaps. Yeah, something like that. I mean, I, I mean, we, <laughs> we didn't have a weigh-in before every year, uh, before every car trip. <laughs> willing to go with your estimate on that one. Yeah, somewhere in, in that kind of ballpark. 
Um, so I found FCW. They they did training on a uh, on a day when BWA weren't doing training. So I said to the to the guys, let's get another training session in. Obviously, I'm not going back to BWA, but it's beneficial for you guys to obviously to to bear and to Mark to get more training under your belt. It's not competition with BWA. Chris and the the guy that runs this you know, so FCW, um, they kind of know each other. They seem cool. So whatever. So the four of us jump in the car. I'm in the back of you, Mark and Bear are in the front. And that car journey, I've never like experienced anything that's as much like the in-betweeners as us four <laughs> in that fucking car. I mean, I, do, do you want to give us some little highlights? Yeah, I mean, <laughs> one of the things about wrestling and, you know, making friends with, with a lot of you guys, the, the, best, the best times, I think, was in those cars, in those car journeys. Not just you know this particular one, but when we when we got to United, those those road trips down to Wales with with the Squirt and Scott Skyler, you'd just be pissing yourself laughing that the entire the entire journey. You'd get out the car, your face would be hurting, your gut would be hurting just from just from laughter. They they were the you know all shows and the stress of doing shows aside, they were the they were the times. But this particular one you're on about. I'm going to tell you, I hadn't thought about this at all until you mentioned it um, a couple of days ago. So if I miss out bits, please fill in the blanks. But we were driving home. I think it was after the show when we were driving back. And we were just yeah. being dicks, weren't we? We were like, <laughs> <laughs> we, we, would ride, we would wind down the window and we, we, we would shout shit out the window at, at, at people. And we were like young lads in our like, mid-twenties or whatever. I mean, Mark was probably like 47 or whatever. But, you know, the, th- the rest of the three of us were like young lads. And we would like mark, uh, wind the window down and it'd be like, well, first of all, before I get to this bit, I think you just randomly had started calling Bear Acorn Dick. And <laughs> just a random, I think that's where it came from. You were just, just a random. I, oh, my God. I've got, I've got to, I've got to jump in at this point because you did say interrupt you. So uh, it was yep. you. I've still, I've got that video somewhere. So we're sat in the back of the car. Mark's driving, and Bear's yeah, obviously in the passenger seat. I still remember because I'm sat behind Mark. You're sat behind Bear. So you're to my left, and Bear's telling us this story about how he's got with this girl. Now none Thanks. of this. Yeah, none of the story is making sense because he starts telling it. Oh, yeah, I met her uh, on holiday. You tell a bit more of the story. He says, oh, yeah, so we went to this thing. Well, that thing isn't on holiday. That's down the road. So it's too much. There's too many plot holes in his story. So me, Mark, and Matt, we've all got quizzical faces thinking, this, this doesn't make sense. Something's story not, not adding up here. This is definitely, definitely absolute bollocks. So he says a name, and a name... I have no idea for the life of me what this fucking name is, but it was like a pun. It's a really, really bad pun. Now, if someone if if someone came up to you in a bar and said, "I'll oh, give me your number," you give them like a fake number, you tap it a, a fake name. It was like a verbal one of them, like, "Oh, my name's Alava, Alava Bacardi." It it was that <laughs> bad, like almost like a James Bond. Uh, Bond girl name, you know what I mean, like Pussy Galore and whatever, whatever, whatever. He kind of felt like that. So all three of us are thinking, Bear, this is absolute shit. This is so, this is not right. And you, I mean, it's you. I've, I've got this. I've got to kind of chuck you under the bus a little bit. Okay. You start, yeah, you start ripping into Bear. Now, 
Bear's getting irate. So he's like, no, honestly, honestly, honestly. Me and Mark, <laughs> me and Mark are just laughing. I'm looking around at you and you are full steam ahead. I have never been more fucking proud of you because it was you. It was unrelentless. You were saying, so this girl, how tall was she? Um, she about five, five, six. Well, you've said a bit before that she was kind of taller than you, so she's more than five, six. I mean, six, six. Well, she's six, fucking six. No, no, I'm at five, eight. And you were systematically destroying the bear. You were cutting it down in his fucking prime. So it got to a point when you were... Oh. You, when, You'd said, wait, so this girl had slept with you in the bush and she's not giving you the number or she's giving you a number with a fake name. And Bear, at this point, had given up and you kind of like left it a few seconds. I'd turn my phone on to record you and you, you turn to the camera and say, you know what? I think it's because Bear's got an acorn dick. Oh, shit. <laughs> Where's this fucking story coming from? I've not thought about this for like <laughs> nine years. But I've committed it to fucking memory. Oh, I'd forgotten God. all that bit. I had forgotten all <laughs> that part. Jesus. I'm not proud of that. You know, if Bear got off with a, a fictitious girl in a book, that's his business. Do you know what I mean? But go on, sorry. I mean, a Acorn Dick became the war cry for the, for the following three or four years. I mean, that was, oh my God. <laughs> and then following that, so that must have been on the way. And then on the yeah. way back, that's when we were being winding the window down. So I, I we, you know, we, we, there was some innocent people just walking along the street, minding their own business. And I'd wind the window down and go, "Oi, acorn dick! You've got the dick of an acorn!" Great, <laughs> oh, comedy, you know, <laughs> just really intelligent humour. Oh, Are you okay? Oh fuck. <laughs> The best bit. The best bit for me, though, Phil, was uh, a few more miles down the road, and, and you decided to have a go. Do you remember this bit? You won the window down, and it was, "Oh, you, oh, you, uh, oh, you," oh, and, <laughs> and then you just scored back into your chair and wound the window back up because you couldn't, couldn't think of anything to say. That was my personal favourite. Because. Uh, Right, so we <laughs> we drove down, we've done the acorn dick thing, we we pull up outside this venue, and the venue's on the second floor of this building. We we don't know if this place is the right place. So we're like, you get out of the car, you go ask. No, you get out of the car, you go ask. Someone yeah. winds my window down for me, so I have to go fucking ask. We find out it's the right place, we go upstairs, we say hello, we do a very good training session with uh, I think it was Tommy Gunn and, and, and a few of the other people. Uh, we have a good sort of four, five, six hours. Joey Starr was there. It's the first time I ever met Joey Starr was that day. Yeah. Um, and there's a few others. I can't think for the life of me, but um, there's a few of those FCW guys. I think, I think the, the trainer's name or the owner's name's Lee Massey, I want to say. Massey sounds about right. Yeah. yeah. Um, good training session down there. We said thanks. Um, left. Went Subway. You and Marcus Maximus had a Subway eating contest that you both somehow managed to polish off. Two foot long subways again. Don't know why I remember this shit, but piece of piss, piece of piss. And um, yes, yeah, so we're driving back, and there's like there's a few of those instances in the car where Matt is just shouting, and Matt's got really good fucking timing. Like I'm gonna blow some smoke up your ass. Like your timing when you're shouting this stuff out the car was fucking brilliant. Bear not so much, and Mark's driving, so he doesn't really want to do it. And I know we were shouting some stuff like. 
if we can see people coming towards us, we'd shout them a story rather than like an insult. <laughs> Did you know Bear probably had a sex with this girl? Probably didn't, let's be honest. The story sounds like shit. And we've got a whole paragraph out the yeah. car before these people had even like gone past. And we can you believe shout- it? The story's not true. He said he sagged her in a bush, but the bush was 20 feet away from the building and it would take longer to get to this bush. <laughs> I mean, it was, it was brilliant stuff. So we shout in a few things. I, I shout, oh, oh, lads, I've got one, I've got one, I've got one. Window down. <laughs> Just like, come on, come alongside. Hey, you! Uh, uh, oh, bollocks. And I've, lo- I've lost my train of thought. So absolutely ripped by these three for, for the remaining of the journey. But the absolute caveat is, I don't remember. Um, it's just down from... I can't remember where Venom Bass Music Studio is. New, what's it called? New something roads. By the, by the cemetery. Um, Shelton New Road? Yes. New, yeah, New Shelton Road, Shelton New Road, whatever it's called. Where that big factory is that's now where flats and all that sort of thing. Again, I can remember like the green gates and all this sort of thing. Now, one of the ones that, it wasn't me that shouted it. It wasn't you. I think it was Mark that shouted this one because Mark wasn't doing many because he was driving. He shouted one at a cyclist. Now, because Mark's turned his head to shout at the cyclist that we've gone past, we we're like, yes, we've got him. And the light turns red. Like, ah, oh, shit. Now, <laughs> Mark 25 stone, Bear 18 stone, me and Matt are in the back, and all four of us are trying to like, get under the car with that fucking embarrassing the cyclist just tootles on past gives a little smug look as if to say you fucking idiots like oh god he fucking got us i might be misremembering this but this and this might have been a a different journey a different car ride but i seem to remember somebody shouting at a cyclist and we look back behind us after we drove past them and he would add a bit of a wobble and come off his bike and then he was kind of like shaking his fist at us as we like drove over the horizon am i making that up something sounds familiar in it I, I, whether it was the same journey and someone had a bit of a wobble i think this my I, in my head it was on the way to dudley that yeah. that had happened um but i just remember the cyclist on the way back as we got to whatever that part of uh, shelton new road is and that cyclist giving us some absolute shit Terrible, terrible behaviour. We're not condoning this kind of behaviour, by the way. We were young and, you know, foolish. Apart from Mark, it was 84. But the rest yeah. of us... I mean, in all fairness, I'm almost, I'm almost 40 now and I'm still pretty foolish. So, just, just going to put that one out there. <laughs> we'll have a little cry. When are you 40? Uh, well, in the great grand scheme of things, it's like three years from now. But closer to 40 than I am 30, we'll put it that way. Uh, uh, I know. Mate. I, know. I, know. I, I had a you know, hard paper round, so you can tell by my face I'm almost 40. So we're going to have to talk about it. So we've got. Uh, actually, you know what? I'm going to save United Wrestling and Pro Wrestling for you for after the game show segment. So okay. I'm show, I've designed you a little game show for you. Now. Uh-oh. From the past couple episodes, I've been doing Family Fortunes, where I've surveyed 100 wrestlers, because quite obviously, I've definitely surveyed 100 wrestlers. Um, got, got a bit bored of Family Fortunes, so uh, sat with, um, with my friends on my phone and said, look, I need a pun of a game show name 
for Matt Castle, please come up with something. Because even if they don't come up with the answer I want to use, they might spur something out of my head and we'll come up with it. Now, literally could not think of anything really fucking battering my head. How do we pun the name Matt Castle? How do we do it? So um, I'm going to apologise for the name I've gone with, for the name of this oh. game show. Oh, We've my gone, God. gone with Mateshi's Castle. <sighs> that, that, if I wasn't holding my phone to my ear, I would give that the slow clap. <laughs> I mean, come on. I mean, I had... Um, oh, Do I even fucking name some this? I had eight out of ten mats. Just countdown. That would have been way better. Oh, for fuck. But like the, the, the conundrums weren't good, so I kind of scrapped the game because... Mm. No. Game shit, but the name is good. So we went for Mateshi's Castle. Um, so I've got three questions for you. Now, do you remember the round in Takeshi's Castle where the guy runs it? It's a choice of four doors. For, like, a couple of them are wood. One of them or two of them are made of paper. Yeah, so I'm going to be honest with you. I've never heard of this program that you're talking about. You've never heard of Takeshi's Castle? I don't think I have, no. That's probably why I thought the pun, the pun wasn't so good, because I didn't really know what you were talking about. If anyone listening to this thinks turning Takeshi's Castle into Mateshi's Castle for Matt Castle is a great pun, please do let me know after this. Yeah, it's, it's, a, it's a Japanese TV show where uh, 100 contestants break their bodies and necks and faces to win <laughs> money. No one really wins money. Um, I mean, literally, there's, they have won this one round, it's called Knock Knock, they have four doors, now you don't know which door is door, two of them are solid oak doors, one of them's paper, the other one's paper but with a net behind it, and it's up to these people, the contestants, to run through a series of doors trying to get the right ones. Now people are diving at these fucking doors head first. Um, the Japanese, up- man, they're crazy with these game shows. Uh, yep, nice. I so thought you could go down like a uh, bit of a racist rant. These Japanese crazy bastards. Like, nope, skip over that. These Japanese is, are crazy. Edit in their game is, shows. <laughs> this is definitely not the year for doing that shit. But what we're gonna <laughs> do, so I'm gonna, I've got three rounds for you. One of the three, so one of the four answers is not like the others. So you've got to spot the odd one out, essentially. Ah, oh, shit. Okay. They're three rounds. Um, and yes, you've got to spot the, the odd one out. You've got a choice of four. So I'm going to give you four names. Ryan Myatt, Mark Morgan, Jürgen Heimlich, and Squirt. Which of these four has never been G6 champion? Repeat the names. Ryan Myatt, Mark Morgan, Jürgen Heimlich, and Squirt. Oh my god, I wouldn't have a clue, mate. But I would. I'm gonna. Okay, so was your first G6 champion was Squirt, wasn't it? It was. It was the first championship we had in Pro S and few before the heavyweight and before the tag. Yeah. So, so it's not Squirt. Mm, I don't really know. I'm gonna say Ryan Myatt. You are correct, sir. You've got one right. Oh! Two more. Two more to go. So the next four. So Sexy Kev, Dean Allmark, Wild Boar, Keith Myatt, who has not been progressing for you heavyweight champion. Mm, Keith? 
I'm afraid you are incorrect. <sighs> he defeated the wild boar at Press Infuse, standing on the shoulders of giants, I think. Um, 2000 and... Oh, shit, you know. 2015, 2016, somewhere in that time gap. The uh, correct answer was Dean Allmark. He's never been a champion at person for you. You know, you're asking me questions about stuff that happened after I wasn't there. You realise you, you should have catered the questions to my, uh, you know, my knowledge, I think. I mean, I should have, but I didn't want to make this too easy. So yeah. These are all going to be purely guesses then, you know that. Well, I've got, no. I've got 50-50 so far, so let's crack on. That's not bad. So, yeah, so we're one right, one wrong. This is the last question for you. Um, so if you win, you get to decide your prize. You can you can have a pint at whenever wrestling comes back on board. You can have a ticket. You can, you can do whatever you want. I'll say, get Kim Rocks to send you a, a lovely picture. Who knows? Mate. <laughs> Kim doesn't know about this yet. I'll, I'll have to sweet talk her into it. So, thank you. so your four options, Trenton, Bradwell, Hanley, Burslem, which of these four towns or cities has person for you not held a show in? Trenton, Bradwell, Hanley, Burslem. Okay, so Hanley, is, you definitely have because I was on that one. Well, I remember the one I remember I was on it. That was at uh, Jumping Jack. So you've had one at Hanley. Name is what was it? Trenton, Burslem? Uh, Trenton, Bradwell, Burslem. I'm gonna okay, so I'm I'm gonna say Trenton. Is that your final answer? Yes, it's my final answer. Oh, you bastard! You've gone and got it. Yes, <laughs> got on the blower to Kim. <laughs> so, like I'm gonna have to ring her after this. Like Kim, I need a favour. <laughs> um, oh bloody hell! Yeah, so we we did the uh, press infuse Hal and the Wow at Brad at Bradwell and where we broke the ring because the ceiling was way too short, so we didn't have the kind of tension in the ring, unfortunately. Uh, Hanley, yes, ceiling way too low. So we set the ring on the lowest setting. So the top of the ropes was tight. The bottom of the, under the ring, the spider wasn't tight enough. And the top rope came off. Excellent. Excellent. Uh, Hanley, you know about. And Burslem, we did, uh, year before last, we did at Port Vale's football ground, which as a Stoke fan, I'm sure you would have loved. What? How did you do that? It was a charity show. We do um, charity shows every year called Oscar Mania. We raise money for the Don and Louise, and we managed to get the Port Vale Valiant Suite. Nice. Well, was the uh, was the, I can imagine that being another low ceiling situation. No, no, not not at all. I mean, there's, they've got like a lighting rig on the ceiling where we just push the ring uh, out the way of the lighting rig. It's a really big room. And we had a band on stage. We had uh, fans on all four sides. Um, I was DJing. Uh, I think Chris was was away for his birthday or something. Yeah, really good show. I think it's on our YouTube channel in its entirety for free as well. So yeah, nice. YouTube YouTube.com forward slash pro wrestling for you. Cheap little plug. For, for anybody that you know, accesses YouTube that way these days and doesn't have the app, yeah, go to YouTube.com slash pro wrestling for you. <laughs> At least it didn't say go to www. <laughs> Backslash. <laughs> that's, when, that's when you know you have a certain age when you start saying like yeah. full on URLs with the W's in. Oh yeah. my God. But yes, you have won two of the three. So 
your prize can be whatever you want the prize to be, whenever you want the prize to be it. We have to pick it now, or no? no you, you can you can marinate on it a little bit, give it a little think. Beautiful, superb. So we'll get back to it. We've got United Wrestling <coughs> and Pro Wrestling for you to, uh, as well as obviously the EWA and uh, SWA stuff at the end as well. But so, which came? I'm guessing United Wrestling came first for you. Yeah. So it was um, it was Welsh Wrestling Alliance still at the time. Um, you had done one from Chris Curtis and started working for Richard Lee's with United Wrestling WWA, and uh, I believe you know <clears throat> that was a that was a, a, a no no as well with Chris Curtis. He didn't like them guys. You couldn't work those shows. So I think you know you could tell me if I'm wrong here, but you went to them as kind of a way to stick it to him a little bit. You don't have to confirm or deny <clears throat> that. That's the way well, I, I remember I, it. I don't mind saying that. I mean, um, yeah, I left BWA, I think it was summer 2010. We're in, I think it was, um, we, had, we had a show not not too long. Could it have been? See, now I'm even doubting my own thing. But I've been kind of like thinking about it for a while and I was getting Chris Curtis. Um, I was doing so much of his work for him. I was leading a lot of his young trainees to go out leafleting on show day. I was the first one in the venue with him. I was the last one out of the venue. I was sweeping floors, putting chairs out. Um, I was doing everything because it just I wanted it that much. And yeah, the fact that I've <clears throat> I went and opened my own sort of promotion tells you that I had kind of aspirations and wanted to kind of move up that ladder. And I did everything for him. I got him. Committed this to memory. It's like 150 quid's worth of merchandise via Vistaprint. I got BWA cue cards. So Steve, the announcer, that sounds like a fucking penguin, could read off cue cards rather than a scrap of paper out of his pockets. And I remember looked, Steve. Yeah, it looked good. Looked good in photos. You know what I mean holding a BWA card rather than a scrap of snotty paper in his fucking pocket. Mm-hmm. I got BWA cups and shirts. I got all 150 quid of my money. Bought that merch from Vistaprint, gave it to Chris and Claire. And they, they, they were thankful. They said cheers. Uh, after the last BWA show I did for them, I asked for £2 bus fare to get home. And they flat out refused. And uh, Chris tore me a new arsehole and said, Who the fuck do you think you are? And you pay your fucking dues, fucking walk home. Uh, go f yourself. This, that, and the other. While he's yeah. holding 150 quid of merch that I bought for him, so yeah, wanker. <laughs> it's 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 very it is very weird. But yeah, I I done one 2010. We're in a month of leaving. I think it was Dave um, Del Dabecki who said, "Mate, what's what's gone on? Why are you not at BWA anymore?" Because um, he'd, he'd left with Scott Schuyler and Adam Lake and a few others and joined WWA, United Wrestling. Um, well, what I remember is half of that roster were Curtis trainees who had gone off, you know, and formed this other company because they, like I say, they were just so disgruntled with, with the way he, he treated them. Yeah, I and mean, pretty much, I mean, he was um, very much that uh, that sort of vibe. You know, so many ex-BWA guys. Um, yeah, Dave just said, do you want to jump on board here? And I thought, fuck it, yeah, why not? I've got no more ties keeping me to BWA. And Chris's loyalty didn't mean anything to me. So I jumped ship. And I think I was uh, with WWA within within a month of 
sort of leaving BWA. Yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah, so so yeah, so basically what happened from there, um you'd done a couple of shows from for them. Um and there was and it was toward the end of the year, I want to say it was around October, November of twenty ten. Uh, we were doing another one of these road trips. It was um me, you, I think it was Mark and Bear again. Mark was ring announcing for a little while for, for those guys, which was like a big bone of contention in itself, if I remember correctly, because he was still a Curtis guy, but yeah. he would come down to WWA and ring announce on the shows. And uh, I can't believe that Chris actually let him do that. And I think it was a real, real struggle just to let him just to let him do that much from what I remember. Yeah. So we were, we were in, you know, we, there was a show in Wales, I think it was Colwyn Bay, and you were managing and he was ringing out, and me and Bear were just coming along just to watch. And I, I, I think either Derek, who was Richard, Richard is the, was the promoter, and Derek was his uncle, and he would have Derek refereeing the matches, and he was shit. He was, he, you know, like, nice bloke, harmless bloke. Didn't have a clue what he was doing. And I don't remember if he just didn't show up for this particular show or they were just like, we need a new ref here because this isn't, this isn't happening. So I got there. <clears throat> you asked me to do it. Or some, yeah, I think you kind of tried to push, push me into it. And I was like nervous, didn't want to do it. And you just kind of pushed me into it, into, into, into refing that particular show. I was just wearing, you just chucked me a ref shirt. I was, just, I was still wearing my jeans. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. And uh, I, I ref I ref the show, and uh, it went really really well. And then uh, it, yeah, it just it just went from there really. I mean, I, I get this is because I've not thought about this stuff for so long, for getting on for like seven eight years. Yeah, I, I remember not bullying you into it, but I knew you'd make a good job of it, and if you just had like a bit more confidence in it, I knew you'd smash out the park. So I kind of was. As a promoter, as a booker, as an event organizer, whatever, you've got to kind of find what works for certain people. Some people need pushing into it. Some people need kind of teasing into it. I mean, you want to put the cart before the horse. Sometimes you put the, cart, the horse before the cart. Sometimes you've got to do a bit of that. Well, I mean, if you're too scared to do it, what? I'm not scared. I'll, I'll show you. You know what I mean? Like everyone's got their own trigger to, to get them to do what you need them to do, which I know sounds bad, but sometimes you've just you've got to resort to these kind of tactics <laughs> you manipulative bastard but yeah you're right. <laughs> it worked out in the end i mean you, you, you smashed the show everyone had your full compliments i mean let's be honest derry can't set the set the bar high you didn't no. have you didn't have much to beat i mean like i i'm sorry derrick you are if you're never going to listen to this but derrick you are a lovely lovely bloke but i still remember it was What's his fucking name? Danzig? Remember Danzig? Yes. Um, versus Joseph Connors. And Danzig's the heel, Joseph's the face. And they had a match at United Wrestling or WWE at bids. And I'm either watching from ringside or I'm just whatever, just peeking through the curtain. I don't remember which. But Danzig was throttling Joseph into the canvas, like full on, hands around his neck, picking him up, you know, like slamming his head into the canvas. And Derek starts counting the pinfall. Mm-hmm. Like, yeah. that's not a pinfall, you dickhead. His shoulders aren't even down for one. He's throttling yeah. him. And Danzig just starts looking around at Derek and, what are you doing? What is happening, yeah. You daft bastard. That, 
that stuff like that's embarrassing, like for everybody yeah. involved. Because Joe Con is who was and is a top boy as well. He was probably thinking to himself, "Well, what the fuck am I doing here?" Do you know what I mean? <laughs> you no, know, it's it, it's 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 bad. But I think it's just a it's just generally a case of watching some wrestling and just knowing the rules. You know, I, I literally just I just winged it when I went in there. I just completely winged it. I'd watched wrestling all my life, so I just instinctively knew where to stand where not to stand, when to like kind of get involved and be like more forceful, when to just lay back. It just, you know, literally you just got to watch a little bit of wrestling to know. I, I literally just winged it, just completely winged it. Whereas, you know, Derek, he, he was free and he was doing it as a favor. And, but it, yeah, he was, he was no good. And for the, you know, I was at United for three, three or four years all in. And even when, right, even right down to the end, Derek would still have to ref at least one or two matches on the show, even even right at the end, you know, and because Rich was loyal to his uncle like that. So that, that was when I was refing, I'd still always have to give a couple of matches to Derek. When I was announcing, when I was when I was booking, uh mate, it was it was I would fight to have to, you know, I would I would I'd bring other refs in. I brought in um, Anthony, is it Anthony Barrett? Yeah. Good yeah. ref. Good ref, top bloke, made to keep. I brought him in, um, but still always had to give Derek a match or two, just to just to keep Richard happy and keep Derek happy as well. So, oh, I mean, uh, obviously we're all going to come back to United Wrestling, but at this point, so sort of 2011, um, we opened up Pro Wrestling for you. We've got you on board. You are the very first referee in the very first match of the night, I do believe. Boom. Five way, we went on to what would uh, probably be uh, dubbed a G6 match. Um, <laughs> Squirt, a pre Dave Darvecchio Scorpion. Um, oh shit, who are the three Scottish guys? This is really bad. Davy Blaze, I know it's one. I can't think of another. Oh, bollocks. See, I should have done my research, but there was five guys in it. And yeah, you were the first referee of the Press Infused first ever show. Yeah. Yeah, good stuff. I had to um, get on at you quite a bit in the weeks leading up to that show for you to let me just have a couple of matches because this was in March of 2011. And I'd yeah. like I say, that very first show that I had done, refed at all, well, I'd obviously I'd been involved in shows, but my very first experience refereeing was the previous November. So we're just talking, what, four months, three months, whatever it was. And it probably would have only been maybe like three shows in that sort of time gap as well, three or four yeah. perhaps. Yeah, and I was like, I can do it. Just give me a couple of matches. You know, I'm, I'm, you know, I know, you know, I'm decent. I can do it. Let me do it. And you're like, you know, no, it's our first show. We want it to be really professional, and we don't, we want it to go off without a hitch, which I totally understood and respected. But I was still like, oh come, I'd, I'd still keep yeah. needling away at you, needling away at you. But that show was a was a big show. Um, you had, you know, Lionheart was on there, Ligero was on there. Um, and you know, the, was it the Keel Students Union? And it was packed. <laughs> I, don't, I, don't, I don't know if I, I don't know if I dare like tell you this stuff because I know you, I say you've been away for a while. So of the two names you've just mentioned, one's now unfortunately dead, and the other one's been outed during the speaking out uh, movement. <laughs> yes. Yes. Yeah. 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 I knew about both of those things. Uh, the the Lionheart stuff is is tragic. I, I heard all about that. Yeah. Well, this this is the thing. If you look at our first two shows, I know I'm getting a little bit ahead of myself, but Lionheart from the first show no longer with us. Chris Travis from the second show, 
no longer with us. You Chris know, Travis. Yeah. These, yeah, these are young, talented guys, and you know, unfortunately, neither of them are with us. Obviously, we were not going to get into the Alagero and all that sort of stuff. That's that's a very different show and for like a, for a very different time, definitely. Mm -hmm. um, but it was, was such a big, big show. There's no um, two ways of it. I kind of look at it because I was trying to explain. Um, I did a show with Chris, our editor, our MC, music man, all this sort of thing, and Daniel Terry, the voice of Press and View. We reviewed the first two Press and View shows, and it kind of like dawned on me that the Keel show was Kim's show. Hanley was 50-50, half Kim's show, half my show. And Silver Showdown 1 was me entirely. That was entirely my show. It kind yeah. of happened when they brought, WWE brought back ECW. They did the One Night Stand, which was a very much an ECW show. One Night Stand 2, which was 50-50. And then One Night Stand 3 was just a WWE show with a couple yeah. of tables. It kind of patterned. After that, you know, so Keel decent was, analogy, yeah, decent analogy. Yeah, so you know, Keel was pretty much Kim's show. Um, I was, I was the, the money behind it. I, I make no bones about it. Yeah, I was earning very well at the company I was, I was earning at, and I thought, fuck it, let's just go balls to the wall. And we decided to go that big because we'd been to Keel Students Union a few weeks or a couple of months before, and they had S Club 3 on and drew 1,600, 1,700 people. Oh, yeah, they have they have big-name acts uh, there. Uh, no, E17 have been there. Uh, I don't know you know the story about uh, Jason Denosho. Oh, God. Yeah, do you know about that? So they, you know, they, they'd get big, they'd get big people down there. So, you know, there's a, mate, that, that campus is huge. It's the biggest oh, yeah. single site campus in the country. So, you yeah. know, if you put on something, the people, if it's good, if it's good then the, pe the people are going to come. And that, I remember it being electric that night. I mean, that's the kind of thought we had. Like, we had no idea that, uh, I mean, we, we probably spent close to three or four grand for that entire show, which is fucking nuts. For you, the ring, getting two cars down from Scotland, the venue cost, the posters, like it was fucking nuts. But in our reds, we said, well, if S Club sodding free, we don't even know which of the three of the seven it was, if they can draw 1,600, 1,700 people at five, six, seven quid a pop, we can put on a wrestling show, get equal amounts of people, make a good, solid five, six, seven grand, whatever. And we haven't got to worry. So we didn't care about the money because in our heads, there's no way we weren't going to lose. You know, uh, we weren't going to make um, crazy money hand over fist. So that's why I think the pressure was on because it was such a big venue, so much pressure, so much on the line. We had the backing of One PW because they were kind of backing us. Um, we had like two sponsors that we had to we had to appease. So we had, we had like a lot of masters we needed to serve. So when mm -hmm. we were kind of putting, putting people on the show, um, we did have to be kind of a bit precarious. Now, we, we did get you on the show. We did kind of slight Marcus Maximus and Bear because us four traveling companions, they weren't on the show. Um, and I knew, I, I know they were a bit pissed off with it because they were looking at us. Well, Phil's running the show. Matt's on the show. Why aren't us two on the show? We're, we're buddies, traveling buddies and all this sort of thing. I remember things never being the same after that with those guys. 
Um, yeah. Like I say, I wasn't initially supposed to be on the show. Like you, you, and this first show was was huge. It's not like you just dipped your toe into the water. I'm going to promote a show, so it goes. You went all in, and you know the money you spent, the you know the promotion you put behind it. Just to, you get to the night of the show, the lighting. It was just. It was probably one of the best shows I ever I ever worked on in my whole time in wrestling. And I worked at. Uh, I did a show at Southside. You know, I worked on shows with like Finley and Doug Williams and stuff later on. Well, that show, I don't remember ever being more excited about a show, you know, than that one. Um, and, uh, you know, you weren't going to put me on it because obviously, you know, I was still very inexperienced. And then, you know, as, as a friend, you put me on, you know, kind of last minute. And I appreciated that. Mark, I believe, was supposed to be doing the music that night. And then you went in a, another direction, didn't you? And I, you know, supported you. And, uh, you know, Mark can be very... Uh, hard-headed at times and he wasn't having it and you know i don't know if you've got any kind of relationship with mark now but i remember things never being never being the same again after that with those guys i mean minimal at best i think the last time i spoke to him was i put a post up maybe a year ago saying you don't need a tv license if you only watch netflix for your playstation and he kind of chimed in with well do you listen to bbc radio because if you listen to bbc radio you should really you should really have a license and it was a bit Digging in a little bit, but yeah, like after this show, so 2011, barely saw Bear. I, don't, I couldn't even tell the last time I saw him. Don't really speak to Mark. Things literally were not the same. So when we started this podcast and we're saying you lose, it's a hard business. You, you lose friendships and relationships. This was day one of pro wrestling for you. And we'd lost two of our traveling companions, people that we have gorged on subways and called bus wankers and bicycle wankers and acorn dicks while we're driving with them. We'd lost both of them from show one. Yeah, yeah. And that's um, that's when we get back to, you know, the kind of the what we touched on at the at, right at the beginning of the conversation here. You know, that's the that's the ugly side of it. But I will say, and you and me have not we've far from agreed on absolutely everything. Over, I uh, stuck by you, and I still stick by you regarding that because you know the, 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 to get into those histrionics by the end, it was it was unnecessary, and uh, it, it it was what it was. And uh, I, I had dealings with Mark following following that when I was booking for United, and uh, the guy uh, had a very interesting view of himself, and he had a very tough time being told no, and uh, he wouldn't. <laughs> he was like a dog with a bone. And it got to the point sometimes when you just had to say, Mark, just fuck off. And uh, I haven't spoken to the lad myself for years now. I hope he's doing all right. I know he's got misses and kids and all that kind of stuff. But, uh, you know, that's the ugly side of it sometimes. You know, everything's, when everything's happy, hunky-dory, your best mates. And then, you know, sometimes you, sometimes you have to make some unpleasant decisions or some unpopular decisions. And, you know, you do get to see the other side of people. And it's it's unfortunate. Yeah, I mean, it's... Like sometimes you've got to make a you know, business decision. Businesses, business decisions don't always favour your friends, and uh, and yeah, you know, friendship decisions don't always favour businesses. It's such a yeah, it's 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 a tough one. I mean, we're, we're going to get onto it as well. But I mean, you have kind of been in a sort of similar um, sort of bind a little bit as well. Obviously, we've seen each other a lot more than we've seen you, Mark and Bear. But even me and you, for for the most part, uh, we've kind of like lost touch, little bits and pieces. We'll always like yeah. you, just 
message every so often and just or tag each other in something or like a Facebook memory. Um, but we kind of, me and you even like lost touch as well. Um, we did, yeah. Through the wrestling business, which like I didn't understand at that point, but like I do get it now because I've lost, say, I've lost friends, relationships, co-workers, whatever, all from wrestling, and it's unfortunately it's um, it's just part and parcel of the business, part and parcel of life, part and parcel of business itself. Not even the wrestling business, just business. Look, it's a tough old world. I remember, um, I mean, I was skipping ahead just slightly, but uh, I remember when I decided I was finished and um, I uh, spoke to a few people about my decision during that time. I remember speaking to Paul Malin, and he won't remember this, but uh, Paul Malin, he was a, what a gentleman. And he was, um, I mean, please don't tell me he's been part of this speaking out thing, because every time I mention a name, it's like, uh, uh, uh. But... uh, (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> no, he's, he's, he's a good egg. He's all he's all good and proper. What an absolute gent and a top bloke. And he didn't have to be uh, as nice to me as what he was because he was like he, he was he was he was an ex- excellent wrestler and uh, well res- well respected and uh, well just what a top guy. And I remember speaking to him during that time. And he said, "Once you come out of wrestling, you can you'll probably be able to count on one hand the number of actual." true genuine friends you've got at the end of it you have a lot of acquaintances you've got a lot of people who will blow smoke up your up your ass because you know you can do something for them or or on a what you you know very very uh, few true mates and he, he mentioned that to me when i was making that, my decision and you know he was a good guy and uh, he wished me the best and he, he didn't have to be that kind because there were some people who i actually did think were true mates right at the end there that it turned out they weren't at all but we can get all in, into that later on if you wanted to but but yeah Paul Malin good guy yeah I, I, I cannot put it better than that I cannot put it better than that um, so what would have been the last Pro Wrestling Few show you did with? so obviously Pro Wrestling Few and United Wrestling kind of run sort of side by side I mean they do I think it's the last Friday of every month pretty much we a bit more choosy we do kind of like a hand we did a handful of shows per year I think early doors, we're doing two two shows per year for the first couple of years. And would you remember like the last pressing few show you did for us? Um, it's kind of blurry. I remember I so I was doing your shows, I was doing United Wrestling, and I'd started getting bookings elsewhere as well. So this would have been into two thousand and twelve or thirteen. I want to say thirteen, I'm not sure. I was, I'd started working multiple places. I was working for uh, for Luke. Is it Doughton? In in uh, he does Slam Slam wrestling. Oh uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I was working for him. Good guy. I was working EDW SWA. Uh, I'd, I'd I'd done that Southside show. You know, I was doing I was doing multiple uh, things, and I was enjoying it. And I was branching out and doing different things. Started ring announcing, and uh, I remember I did your very first show. I did maybe your first two or three. Uh, Silverdale showdowns. I can't remember if it was two or three, and then yeah, that was it. After that, I, even I, because I'm trying to like picture the DVDs and stuff. And obviously, the first two shows are on DVD. They're on our YouTube. They're they're shit quality. There's no commentary. The cameras are shit. The stages are shit. The lighting is shit. Um, so I'm not even going to recommend people go back and watch Silverdale showdown one and two because it's really not. A reflection on the person, few products, how, how it is now. Um, 
I can remember you being there still showing one and two. I'm guaranteed those two. I can't for the life of me pitch you at Silver Showdown 3 because that would have that would have been March 2013 because we only did two shows that first year two shows the second year so yeah March 2013 oh yeah I did your Jumping Jack show as well I forgot about that one that would have been right at the end of 2011 and then yeah the two Silverdale shows in 2012 yeah so Keel Hanley Silverdale Silverdale and maybe that sounds about right, actually. I, perhaps I didn't do the third one. That sounds that sounds about right. Yeah, um, I can't remember who who would have been out in like who would have been our ref for those shows. They like because Tony Barrett wasn't on board at that point. I have no idea. I'm gonna I'm gonna let you go back and uh, give that a watch. To be fair, that Silver Showdown three. That's the first show we had. Um, our lovely Mr. Editor, Mr. Chris on board. He ran a company called Blackout, and that he brought smoke machines, lasers. A decent entrance. That's when we started to um, like really kind of invest in our product and the look of things, the feel of things, all that sort of stuff. So I do recommend people go back and watch that one. It's on our uh, on-demand channel, pwfuondemand.co.uk. It's really, really good show to watch. Um, yeah, I don't think you'd have, you would have been on, on that one. So at this point, um, I was working for, for you on United Wrestling. You were working for me on Pro Wrestling for you. At what point were you given the, the, the title of sort of Booker at United Wrestling? Um, it was the middle of 2012. It was the middle of 2012. I had started um, ring announcing. I'd, my duty, I'd started getting more duties during that time. I'd started ring announcing, helping, helping because the booker at the time was Dave Delvecchio and Scott Schuyler were kind of doing it. Yeah. Um, Dave wanted to step away from it because he st- it was around this time where Dave started to take himself and the business a lot more serious. He started working on his body and his look. He started uh, training more. He started looking for more outside bookings instead of just doing the bid shows every every month. He started really, I know, and respect to him for it. And so he came to me and just asked me if I wanted to do it. And I was like, fuck yeah, I want to do it because this place has got so much potential and it hadn't been ran great. A lot of nice people with, you know, good intentions, but all it needed was just one person, not four people chipping in their ideas, one person honing it in, and uh, and you know steer, steering the place steering the place in a, in, a, in a positive direction. I feel I feel like I did that for for a while. Well, I did it for eighteen months, and I I mean I don't know what the shows went like after I left, but I guarantee they were no better than when I was doing it. And again, that might sound however it might sound, but that them's them's a facts. That's just how it was. Um, so I remember it was the middle of twenty twelve, um, and Dave said. You do it. You take over from me, booking. But I just want you to know that me and Scott have got some ideas regarding ourselves for the end of the year. So as long as we can keep doing the stuff that we've already got in our minds, then do whatever whatever you want. So that first six months was all right because I had kind of a uh, a template to work with, if you know what I mean. I had these yeah. things already in place, and then I could just fill in the gaps everywhere else, just book the other matches, book the other, and then come the new year. <clears throat> then it was it was it was all me, and um, the, the the quality of the shows massively improved, massively improved. And I was and I was big on 
they had a thing at United Wrestling where it was insiders and outsiders. And I don't know if you remember that term that they would used to use, but it was the guys that had basically come from Curtis and they were homegrown, you know, Stoke lads or, or WWA, WWA lads, United Wrestling lads. And it was, it was Scott Schuyler. It was Scorpion, Dave Delvecchio. It was Lakey. It was Imbro. It was Squirt. It was Mark Morgan. It was Richard Lees. And then what they would do is they would have maybe one, maybe one, if we're lucky, outsider, quote-unquote, who would come in from somewhere else and work a show. So sometimes it would be Paul Malin. Sometimes it would be uh, Zach Gibson. Sometimes it would be Bubblegum. And, and, and it became, and it was this thing of, uh, yeah, outsiders and insiders. And I got rid of that completely. I thought, that's bollocks. If you're booked on our show, everybody's United Wrestling. And I started bringing in, and I showed, like I say, the quality of the show is just, they, they, they just massively improved. And a couple of people got upset, like people like Lakey started getting used less. And uh, they ended up walking away. And, you know, I, I they had, you know, there was, there was some, uh, some occasions where I had to, you know, you know, make some unpopular decisions. Um, but but the show's improved. We had Ryan Smile there every month. R.I.P. Great guy, entertaining guy, uh, charismatic guy, talented guy. Um, Bubblegum started to come down uh, more regularly. Paul Malin was on every show. We made him the champion. Um, and Keith Myatt who hadn't wanted to work for us for so long because he had worked for Curtis. He was like, fuck Chris Curtis, <laughs> like a lot of other people did. And I got Keith and Ryan coming down for mates rates, for mates rates, you know, because he got me started and we were, we'd known each other for years. And, um, yeah, so that year and a half that, that we, I, I, I busted my backside to get that place to a respectable level. I would get the posters delivered to my house every month and me and Kyle, I forgot to mention Kyle when I was listening to all the guys, Matt Burns. We would drive around Stoke, putting up the posters, uh, all, all you know, you know, out of my own pocket, um, booking radio spots. I remember our two Trent Vale shows. I got on the radio to promote the shows. And by the end, by the end of 2013, the, the shows were good and I was proud of them. I'm going to have to ask... Um... So, like, the Trent Vale shows that you mentioned, I don't know turnouts, I don't know the cards, I don't know any of that sort of stuff. I got sent a, I think I got sent a picture that, I think it was Richard Lees had done a chalkboard outside. Um, and he's literally writing on it, wrestling. He wrote in big, massive letters, W-R-E-S-T, ran out of room, and just put L-I-N-G in tiny little letters next to it. For the Trent Vale show, Are you sure? Yeah, yeah. I got I got sent a picture. Oh my goodness! It was, okay. it was like a like a big chalkboard and just wrestling in tiny <laughs> little. I literally chalk. Sorry. You know I mean you can rub it out and start again. It's not like it's permanent pen or anything. It's fucking chalk. But rather than rub it out and try again, it's like no, no, no. We can we can make this work. Wrestling. Yeah. Great. At least he remembered to start it with a W, I guess. But um, these were. The... <laughs> These were the sort of things that I was having to, I was battling the whole time. Same with, you know, with the Derek thing. He always had to be on the show refing, even though he was hopeless. Um, you know, this is this is the the standard that we were, they were, they were, they were, they were that we were dealing with at the time, and I was constantly having to battle. That first Silver, uh, sorry, that first Trent Vale show, 
was uh, great. And I don't remember that chalkboard thing. I probably never even saw it, but we, you know, we had good professionally made posters for that. So I don't know where this chalkboard thing came from, but uh, it was a good show. And we had, you know, the Myatts were on it and uh, Zach Gibson was on it. And, uh, you know, it was, who else was on it? My goodness, so long ago now. But it was a quality show and we packed the place. We absolutely packed the place. And then uh, we did another one there at, so this would have been at like 20, February of 2013. And then we did another one over the summer and it bombed. There was like 30 people there and I was absolutely fucking gutted. And uh, we didn't go back after that. I mean, you know, I, I I can't deny we did a show. Uh, we did a show mainly. I think it's 2017. There have been maybe 50 people there. So, you know, I mean, we, we've all done it. Whether you booked a show, owned a show, whatever, everyone's been on a show where there's some. Um, I think it's a Great Bear show, some infamous Great Bear show with Zack Saber Junior. and Pete Dunne and all these kinds of guys. Uh, they had about 14 people in the audience, and hence Mate. why that. No longer around anymore because they would have lost so much money on that fucking show. I remember being on shows with you, literally, where we would be in a park and the audience with seven kids uh, on BMXs, and that was the audience. Yep. That's just the shit you do sometimes when you love it. Yeah. I mean, you've got to, yeah, you've got to suffer for your art. I mean, that's the best way of putting it. Absolutely. So, obviously, pressing for you, United Wrestling, both running parallel. You've taken over the book at United Wrestling. And, um, like, now I see so much of what you were trying to bring in to United Wrestling. But I think people have gotten so comfortable with getting away with murder at United Wrestling. You know, the Lakeys, Dave and Scott, Embro uh, and all these kinds of guys. They just kind of knew what they wanted to do. And Rich wasn't ever going to reel them in. He wasn't going to put any restraints. You know, it's when Lakey was getting his arse out and cutting a promo through his arse. We could do that. Um, when we had, oh, what's his name, Johnny Blaze dressing as Santa and we smashed him in the face with a frying pan. We could, do, <laughs> we could do that. And what was this guy? There was, what's his fucking name? Now, I've been watching Jackass for a good while. And I saw a skit with Dave England where he tips chocolate pudding into a nappy, puts it on top of a bin. I was going to bring this up. Yeah, and like he, he comes up, eats it, and people think he's eating shit. Now, do you happen to remember it was Welsh Dragon's younger brother? Yes. I, I can't think for the... He was, I can't remember what his fucking name was. Yeah, I know. Uh, chubby, short, weird... Sorry, he's never going to listen to this, but quite a strange dude. Um, he was just struggling to find his feet, and I pitched him this idea, and he was going to do it like right up until show day when we couldn't get a nappy. Like that's yeah, a we were going to we were going we, we to get him walk into the ring with a nappy in his hand. In fact, I say we. This was before I was booking, so I'm, 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 I'm washing my hands of this one. This was nothing to do with me. But um, we were going to get him walk into the ring with a nappy full of Nutella, eating, yeah. eating the Nutella out of the nappy. And, and we would have done it. And I, I can't remember why it didn't end up happening. Did he, did he just – because he was going to do it. He was like, yeah, whatever, get me on the show. It'll be, 
you know, because <laughs> he just wanted to be involved. And um, <laughs> I don't remember why we didn't do it. If he chickened out at the end or because we just didn't have any Nutella or like, what I don't know what it was, but uh, that would have, that, if all the stars had have aligned that night over bids in Longton, we uh, that would have that would have happened. Oh my! I mean, yeah. I mean, we we needed right here reeling in, and now I can see so much of what you're trying to achieve. But I think I, because I'd been at United a little bit before you, and I'd um, Dave was booking most of the shows and. Dave would confide in me so much. Oh, this is the card for Friday. And I'd kind of look at it and go, okay, three intermission, then two. Fair enough. And all the matches had heels winning, going over clean. Um, and I'm like, Dave, you can't do this. Oh, well, yeah, but we kind of need all the heels to go over. So, but you've got to have some balance to the shows. You know, you, you want to send people home happy. You want to have at least some faces to win. So Dave would kind of confide in me with the card. Um, and I'd kind of help to kind of co-book with Dave, like a lot, of, a lot of these shows to kind of, he'd write all down. And I said, no, 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 move, move this, start, start quicker, put something funny second, put a big first half main event, blah, 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 whatever. Um, so I kind of felt a bit of a booker. So when you came in and you kind of took the, took the book, I'd probably kind of felt a bit how lakey and a, a few of the other guys had felt and thought I'd got a bit pushed out, perhaps. Is that how you felt? Yeah, like, like I said, I've not thought about this for the best part of eight, nine years, but that's my first taste of booking. No one ever teaches you how to book a show, how to run a show. You've just got to do it and, you know, it is what it is. So with me and Dave kind of like booking, we were the gods of the new age, me, Dave Dovecchio and Adam Lake. And... The, the, we had some pretty good houses. We're getting 100 people, 120 sometimes, which for a little club really wasn't bad. Uh, Gods of the New Age was over, huge as being heels because we were just three gobby dickheads on a microphone, fake tanned, bad, badly fake tanned. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Um, to the up. point that we had people chucking stuff at the ring. I got chaired by an audience member at one point. That yeah. family that's front row, which I'm not going to name them, but you know who the family I meant. I got injured. I got injured on the outside, and I heard one of the sweet little ten-year-old girls shout, "Hope he fucking dies!" <laughs> you know what I mean? Like we, 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 I had a lot to contend with. Like I felt like I'd opened up my creativity at United Wrestling and got being able to. And the Santa stuff was all me. You know, go Poundland and get Johnny Blaze to give out some presence start the show so me and the gods can come out we'd kick his head in to get over some get some heel heat which kind of worked so yeah. with me getting my own way and no one to reel me in i kind of had that vince russo tunnel vision of i can go as mad as i want because it's not my show no one can tell me no i don't have to pay anything it's cool so when you wanted to make things a bit more sensible and streamline things. Like, no, no, what are you doing? This, this, is, this is my fun. I've got my own show I can be sensible at. Here, this is where I'm kind of a bit of a clown, perhaps. It had become a fuckabout for too long, hadn't it, really? Yeah, it, it, it turned into a youth club. It wasn't a business. Yeah. And, so, uh, yeah, I, I probably felt a bit, same as Lakey, probably a bit pushed out, a bit... I wouldn't compare what happened with you to what happened with Lakey. I, if, if things had 
you know, gone swimmingly, you'd still, you'd have, you'd have stuck around. You'd have, I remember the last show you ever did, uh, Skyler, Scott Skyler won the belt from Dave Delvecchio and turned heel and you were going to be his manager. And that was the last show of the year. And then the plan was for the following year to, for, for Scott to, you know, go the whole year champion, different challenger every month. And you'd be, you'd be his manager. Um, whereas with Lakey, I just stopped booking him as much because I didn't think he was very good. And I thought he had a shit attitude, two completely different situations, you know, I mean, and, uh, you have to mention again, this is not a slight on Adam on Lakey. If you listen to this back, like he had his good points as well, but he was famous for wanking in the dressing rooms. That's not something you need at a show. No. Like the the, the what was it Colwyn Bay? We we drive to Colwyn Bay. We drew maybe 30, 40 people in that little grey room. The entrance to the room was the, the actual entrance for the wrestlers. So people coming back from the toilet were walking in with us when we we're trying to look hard and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. So it was a bit a bit of a weird shit show. And um, uh, Lakey F was was dating is dating. I'm going to say was because I, I don't I don't know. Um, the daughter of the owner, and she'd be there tossing him off in the middle of the changing room. The sister of the owner, wasn't it? Uh, sister, daughter, yes, oh, that, that's it, right? Yeah, sister. It was Richard Lee's sister, yeah? Yep, that sounds yeah. right, right. I, um, yeah, it, yeah, the, the first thing yeah. you said would have been quite bad. <laughs> oh, yeah, bollocks, definitely. Rich, definitely Rich was Rich was our age, so we had a daughter. <laughs> yeah, yeah, we'll, we'll skip over that one, but yeah, yeah that, that's what they do. Like, we just sat there in this chain in the changing room in the back, which was like a play school nursery thing, which again is fucked up. Um, and then by the way, this is not a, at a pro wrestling for you show. I'm going to state that disclaimer this is it's a United Wrestling show. And she'd be tossing Lakey off in front of us all. <sighs> and like he'd go out smiling of sweat and man fat oh. and uh, like, oh, I was going to say man gammon, just. <laughs> <laughs> and like, it's like, that's not fucking professional. Like, what the fuck is going So I, I do, do totally, totally get it. Hey, uh, listen. Listen, listen, um, I enjoyed, like, we've talked about some stupid shit that we used to get up to. Obviously, we weren't getting tossed off in front of each other, but, but I would have, I would have accepted, <laughs> I would have, I would have accepted that kind of behavior backstage because it's stories if it meant he would go out in front of the people and try to be a little bit more professional, if you like, or whatnot. But he wasn't, you know, he, 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 he was in kind of his mind, you know, I've been here a long time. You know, these people are my friends. I'm just going to, you know. And his, his attitude wasn't there. And it, and, and it was unfortunate, actually, because there was a few lads who, like I say, I was trying to improve the quality of the shows by bringing in your mailings, your, your Keiths, Keith Myers, uh, Bubblegum, blah, 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 Ryan Smile. <clears throat> but I still wanted, I still really wanted to try and find a spot for people like that. And I started a group um, called The Enclave, The Enclave. And uh, Kalaz was in it, uh, whilst Dragon was in it, and I wanted Lakey to be in it. And 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 the idea was there'll be three of them, and the, the first show they'll come out through the crowd dressed in you know hoodies and that, uh, beat up. I think it was get some heat on Squirt and Paul Malin. And then for the first few shows they wouldn't wrestle; they would just do run-ins. And then we'd build it up, build it up, and then they'd have a then they would have a match, and you know, and it would build from there. 
And in fact, that whole enclave thing went really, really well. But Lakey was only there for one month. And then he wasn't happy with the fact that he wasn't actually wrestling. He had it in his head that he was, you know, he deserved he deserved a booking or whatever. You know, it was owed to him, I suppose. Even though, but if you'd have just if you'd have just thought about big picture in his mind, you know, I'm gonna have a few shows where I'm not actually wrestling, but it's gonna to build to this. And by the end, it was main events. By the end, it was main events, and they were working yeah. with with Malin and and people like that. And if you'd have just you know thought about it, he would have been involved in something that was really good, and he would have really enjoyed it. But he didn't want to listen. He did the first show where we just where they just did the run in, and then uh, we had a bit of a Barney after that. And uh, you never came back. Uh, I'm pretty certain he's someone else that when we moved the, the person few shows to Silverdale, I would have still been with United Wrestling and with them being family shows. I know he, I, uh, he was one that I kind of took exception to the fact that I didn't book him for my shows. Because I mean, I was still being a manager on my own shows at that point. But... Um, yeah, I wasn't using him, so I think that was probably me and minor Lakey's kind of splitting up time as well. You couldn't have you couldn't have had Lakey on your shows, no way. No, no. Um, I mean, there was again. This I, I, I don't mean to sound like I'm shitting on him, but this was my overall impression of him. So I was with Lakey for the most part of my sort of United Wrestling uh, sort of three four years, whatever it was, two three four years, whatever. Um, we're in the back and. It was a four-way dance or four-way whatever. It's Lakey, which I'm with Lakey. It's Keith Myatt. It's, remember Hal Jordan? I think his name was Tom something. Yeah, good lad. Nice guy. Um, and there's someone else. I want to say it was Jason Imbro, but I, I can't for the life of me. But four people. And Keith was laying out the match as rightly as he as he should. Um uh, if, it, if it was Jason, so Jason and Hal and me were all sat with Keith and we're listening and we're like, okay, just Keith, tell us what you want us to do. He's the vet. He's the guy that's laying out the fucking match. And Lakey, who's warming up and stretching out, um, put his headphones on. We're like, Lakey, do you want to do do listen to this bit? He's like, no, no, it's fine. Just tell me later. No, no, yeah. come, mate, come on, lend us your ear. We, we need to put this together because there's a lot going on in this show. And he was really quite disrespectful. I remember like looking at Keith and thinking, Keith would have been quite in his, quite right in his mind to have scolded Lakey um, yeah. there and then. But he never did. Keith's an absolute gentleman. And I, I'll, I'll go on record. I love Keith Myers. He is the best of Same. the absolute best. Just I, yeah. I can't put him over it enough. He's, he's our Terry Funk. It's kind of how I look at him. <laughs> um, Mate. Absolutely, legend, gentleman. You, you tell you what, you, you, he's proof. Him, like people like Keith and people like Paul Mail and whatnot, are proof that you can be respected. You can be, you can be a legend, and he is a legend. And he's, you can be a great guy, and you can be relatively successful, and still be nice to people and treat people the right way. And, and Keith is proof of that. Exactly, absolutely. I mean, Keith doesn't age. He's kind of looked fifty for the past forty years. It's crazy. Well, that day that I met him. For the first time in 2004, he literally looks exactly the same today. Yeah. I think he was born 50. Yeah. I mean, I, I, yeah, it's, it's, he puts pictures of himself up from Victoria Hall on his Instagram sometimes. It keeps very good at Instagram. So 
when there's young wrestlers out there that don't know how to use it, it's like, come on, if Keith at 61, 62 can do it, you can do it as well. There's no excuse. Yeah, absolutely. Crazy. Well, going back to the point you were making, that you know, the whole Lakey thing, Keith Might is speaking to you right now. Come and sit under the learning tree. Keith yeah. Might is talking. Fucking hell. Um, but that just, you know, it went to show. Went to go, it, went to go, it goes to show the mindset of the lad at the time. and It's, it's unfortunate, really. Yeah, I mean, I, I do want to get back to one little bit because I can't, I couldn't remember till you said it. The last show before I left, I remember leaving United Wrestling, but I don't remember the circumstances. I, but now that you said it, siding with Scott because since day one, Scott's the epitome of good at United Wrestling. He was that quintessential Stokey, which is the the term I gave him, and he like he used it for a good while. Um, yeah, and because he's just like, it's kind of like. Stokey Grado, you know what I mean? Just fun and joking. That's the perfect way to describe it. Yeah, and I'm the polar opposite. I've got resting bitch face and my name's Filthy. You know what I mean? It's just, we're talking cheese, oil and water. So we made for really good opponents. We're both pretty scolding on the mic. He could dig me, I could dig him. And we'd we'd be cool with it. So we're always against each other. I do remember, um, because you were like, you went into director mode. Now, I've not been around this at that point. I've been around it since, and I've done it myself. But early doors when you came in, you were trying to, like, um, in, in movies, it's called blocking, or TV shows, it's called blocking. So you position where everyone should stand, so the best part of the crowd, the audience can see. You're not blocking anyone behind you. You're not casting shadows on people. You were essentially blocking out the match. Um, before the show had begun. You're like, oh, if you stand here and he comes here, let him come through the <laughs> ring that way, then this way you can get your facial expressions, we can get his facial expressions, and um, it makes for good footage. I was like, you know what? I like your style. That's a good way of thinking about it. Yeah, because facial expressions very, very important. People don't pay enough credit to them anymore. And I was like, you know what, Matt? Good idea. But when we did it, Scott got out of the ring a different way than what we'd planned, what we'd blocked before the show. So I couldn't then do my bit because Scott hadn't done his bit. Like right. I couldn't, I couldn't do my bit because he kind of got out the ring so close to me that I almost had to kind of get away from him. Because I remember staring at him. He's on stage as if we're going, "Are we best friends?" Like he turned into Step Brothers or whatever that film is. Like a bit Austin McMahon kind of thing, where we're not sure if we're friends, or, but we know we're on the same page. Well, and... that's what I was trying to rip off. The, the finish for WrestleMania 17 was exactly, I was just ripping that off. Oh, the, the fact that I've just pulled that out, out of thin air means that's, yeah, I get it. Like I was reading you and going, yeah, that makes fucking sense. But because yeah. we couldn't do that, I had to think on, on the fly and just kind of maneuver myself. And you, you, you um, you didn't get the shot that you wanted because I know at some point we were filming and we were uh, taking pictures of these shows. I couldn't do my bit. So I came in the back and I know you were, you were wounded because that was the end of the show. That was the go home segment that was going to lead into the the, the next year. That was going to lead out the entire thing. And you didn't get the shot that you wanted. And I think maybe it was, I don't know if it was the wording or you didn't give me a chance to explain that Scott had, done something wrong which set me off to do something wrong and I thought why are you right. talking to me that way 
Like you, like you obviously didn't see what had happened, and because I couldn't um, explain to you what had happened, like I think we'd kind of like rubbed each other up the wrong way. Now both me and you are very passionate guys. Well, we, when we go at it, we kind of go at it. We're both, um, I like to think we're both very passionate, and we don't do things by halves. So we probably kind of said, "No, you're a fucking idiot." No, well, you're a fucking idiot. Words to that effect. And there would have been some hurt feelings. And I, I probably walked off from that show and gone, I don't fucking need it. I've got my own shows. I'm, I'm a big fish in that pond over there. I don't need to fucking come here to, to this pond and um, to do this to do this stuff here. don't need to do it. And I think you are, you are more than capable of running the show without my help. So I kind of felt a bit uh, burned at not being, just being a talent, not being help backstage per se so i just said i'm done and to a point it's kind of me and you lost ways at that point which probably explains why you wouldn't have been on saildale showdown 3 uh, 2013 timeline wise that probably fits in yeah um but again it's it's crazy but even though we've talked about wrestlers dying wrestlers leaving the business or us two losing friendships with Various other people not speaking to these people for a decade. Um, you're yeah, you know, you've had a past relationship which made you leave wrestling once. I've lost track of how many girlfriends I've had in the past 10 years, and that sounds really fucking bad. Um, <laughs> but, it, but it happens, you know. I mean, for people that, that don't know, when you kind of get with someone, especially if you're a promoter, book, or whatever, they get used to you doing what you're doing, so two shows a year. So when you move up to four shows a year, five, six, seven, eight, and all your time is going out on Valentine's Day postering, on anniversaries leafleting, that takes its toll so much on that relationship because it wasn't like what it was when you started. Two shows a year, that's nothing. Eight shows a year with a month each to promote each of them shows. Now all of a sudden that's eight of eight of the twelve months. You lose that relationship. Next girlfriend yeah. that comes along, she knows that you're doing five, six, seven, eight shows a year, so she's kind of used to that. But you know, it's such a such a difficult life to 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 navigate through. Such a difficult way of doing stuff, especially because this wrestling business doesn't fit like any other business. You don't clock off. You don't log off. You don't file your hours like your MPs do and get paid way too fucking much for, for that, wankers. Wankers. Mm-hmm. Um, you <laughs> you're just trying your hardest to get one more bum and one more seat, and it takes absolutely everything. And you do lose friends, you do lose relationships, but as much as all that bad stuff is, and this is going to sound like maybe a bit cheesy, me and you are chatting now, We've had a good two-hour chinwag. We've been talking about this all week. Going, oh, mate, we've got to get that road trip story in. Bicycle wankers, acorn dicks, fucking brilliant. Mate, it's been cathartic. Um, and I do find it, uh, I am quite actually honoured as well that you're comparing me to an ex-girlfriend, so I, I, I do like that. <laughs> <laughs> if we could go back, um, if you'll indulge me for, for a minute, about what happened on that last show. Yeah. Um uh, your, your perspective, I, I, I get it and I see it. Um, I see it, and you know, my, my perspective was, and, and it's interesting you call, you know, you called it blocking. That's probably, you know, I didn't, I didn't know that term, but what you got to remember about them bid shows as well. 
that, I mean, I tried to move, I mean, later on you weren't there, but I tried to move the ring into the middle of the building so there would be people surrounding the ring like it, like it should be. But back, back in them days, the, 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 the ring was right at the front of the building in front of the stage and fans were just on one side. And you'd have people doing their finishes with their or getting you know getting each other in submission holds with their backs to the fucking crowd, and you know you, you got to be facing the, anyway. So the end of that match, all I wanted because <clears throat> I remember the finish going down okay. I remember that we, was getting what we wanted out of the finish. Yeah, I wanted you to get in the ring. That's all I wanted was for you to get in the ring. I wanted you to like get into the ring, pass. It, well, literally, I'm, I'm making no bones about this. I was ripping off the finish for WrestleMania 17 because I thought it was perfect for what we wanted to do. It was two baby faces. What I'm going to cheat to win, and then we go from there. And I wanted you to get in the ring, pass Scott the chair. Scott was going to beat the fuck out of Dave. And then afterwards, you were going to stand in the ring together, raise his hand, leave together. And, and and my thing was you you didn't get it you wouldn't get in the ring you just you stayed on you stayed on the apron and I'm like I was ring announcing at the time so I'm at ring side and I'm fucking I'm trying to give you the old the old Iggy like come on Phil get in get in the ring and you just stayed on the apron and never got in the ring at any point and um, so I remember the conversation when we got backstage was I didn't get that shot that I wanted at the end of you in you and Scott in the ring together standing over Dave's body and that was the thing that I wanted. I can't yeah. remember the I can't remember the specifics about how the conversation went backstage after that. However, I do know that you I mean you might you might have forgotten about this. We might you can say oh you know uh, things didn't get said the perhaps the way they should have done in the heat of the moment blah blah. But I do remember that you and me shared a taxi home together that night, and so things had things had cooled, and I'm sat next to you in that car on the way back. And I was saying to you, I, uh, if I'm going to be doing this now, I'm going to need you to do as I ask you. Do you know what I mean? I mean, obviously you've got input amazing and we can talk, but I don't want to feel like everything's a battle with you. Cause it's interesting what going back on a comment that you, you just made before about you felt a little bit slighted cause you weren't running it anymore. And you felt like you were just talent and I could do it without, you know, that kind of thing. I did feel like I was getting a little bit of pushback from you in the couple of months prior to this show that we're talking about. And I remember sitting in the, um, the back of the taxi with you and saying, listen, you're going to have to like help me here, not help me, but go with me on the, on these things. I don't want everything to have to be a battle. And, <clears throat> I remember I didn't really get a much of a response from you after that. You know, you didn't say, oh, fuck off or anything like that. You were just kind of like, yeah, mm, yeah. And I didn't feel like you were listening to me or taking on board what I was trying to say. And then the, the, then the next United show was in the January and you were supposed to be on that managing Scott and you never came. And then your pro wrestling for you show was would have been like a month or so after that, and I never came, and that was it, and that was yeah. it, and we didn't really we didn't really speak for a while after that. That, that, that yeah, because we used to share taxis like you know backwards and forwards from uh, from bids. Yeah, I do remember. I, I, it's weeks. I, I've said I'm not for about this for getting on for like six, seven years. This is it's crazy how much has gone on since then. Like, I can totally, totally, like, I don't remember me being sat in the back of the car being sort of rude or whatever, 
but I wouldn't have put it past me at that point. Um, yeah. I think the sort of uh, the spotlight, the limelight, call it whatever you want to call it, it, it gets you early doors sometimes, especially when you get a bit of power, unfortunately. We all know people that have gone power hungry. It's I'm sure it's happened to everyone at any it's at some point or other. And I'd gone from being like a voice in Dave's ear, voice in Scott's ear, um to being one of the sort of better paid people on the show. You know, some people were kind of earning some people were earning nothing. I was earning pretty decent compared to you know, a lot of people. Um, I kind of got my own I mean, way. I mean, it's still for call. It's still for call yeah. money, but I do, I do know what you're saying. I mean, of, of that sort of, of that pond, I was getting a relatively uh, healthy sort of share of it and, and whatever. Um, I was getting my own way. I could kind of create what I did. I could do whatever I wanted to do. Um, if, I wanted, if I wanted promo time, I just got promo time. Because fuck it, who's going to tell me no? And once you, that train starts going, you've got your own company where you're managing, and you're getting some good heel heat in your home village. You know, it's um, and you're doing that a couple of times a year, and that that's starting to go. You've got all this on your shoulders, and you're thinking, I'm fucking invincible. And it's a hard landing back down to earth when someone says. I need to reel you in because that's what you, I mean, I'm not going to deny you needed to reel me in. There's no two ways about it. Like you needed to be that guy that says, I need you to listen to me now because I've got the book. Yeah. Um, and I was, I'll, I'll openly admit, I'll, I'll tell you right now, I was not mature enough to hear that because while I'm still putting myself on my own pressing few shows, that's not mature. I needed to c- completely come away from my own shows, which I think did happen in 2013, perhaps towards the end of 2013. I did, I understood, and I removed myself from my shows. And like, I didn't do any managing or anything for a while. I was just a promoter till 2014. I started working for, for Britannia Wrestling North Wales and started doing the managing thing again. Um, yeah, I needed reeling in. I needed bringing back down to earth. Almost kind of a bit Vince Russo-esque where he was great under Vince because Vince McMahon could sit on him and say, yep, not everything what you're going to say you're going to do. Whereas it was kind of like WCW Vince Russo with me. I could do what <laughs> I want and nobody could reel me in. Nobody so wants you, that comparison, fuck. Well, no, but, but I'm, I'm willing to chuck myself under the bus. You know, I, I'm, I've had a lot of humble pie in 10 years, mate. It's crazy. Mm. But because mm. you wanted to come in with your vision, and I totally agree that one voice is better than 10. You can take on ideas, because Daniel Terry and uh, Chrissy Strawnen, they both feed into me for press and few shows, as well as Kim, as well as uh, Nat, Chrissy's wife. As well as uh, Leanne, as well, Gingerbread's mum, you know, one of my, my ex girlfriends. They all feed into me, but it's my one voice that d- dictates where present few goes. So I yeah. totally understand now what you were trying to do then. I just wish I knew it then. But if I, if I knew it then, I wouldn't have learned the lessons I've learned in the past six, six, seven years. So it's bittersweet, but I totally do get what you were trying to do. And I needed. Reeling in, and United Wrestling needed you. It needed you. Let's call it what it is. 
Thanks, man. I appreciate you saying that. That's okay. But uh, it, it's shit because say me and you lost you know, lost uh, contact for a good number of years, and then you came along to a couple of I want to say it was the Holy Trinity shows. No, I was done. I was finished. I, I bet this all happened. I had I had one full year where I was booking for United and you and me were just not really in any kind of contact. And then at the end of that year was when everything went to shit and I stepped away. And that was it. I was done. I didn't go anywhere near any shows at all. I, I haven't been to any of your shows since. I haven't been to any shows since. It must have been walkabout. That's what I'm thinking of. Ah. Ah, yeah, you, yes, yes, yes. You were doing your, uh, you were doing your uh, Royal Rumble and SummerSlam and all that kind of stuff, weren't you? I went to, a, yeah, I went to uh, watch them on the big screens with the uh, Walsey. Shout out to Walsey. Yeah, um, I mean, we're talking 2000 and, and 2016, 2017, perhaps. Yeah, in that ballpark. Uh, yeah. Yeah, somewhere, somewhere in that kind of gap. We, we got a really got a good contract to walk about. They were paying us very handsomely to host four parties, you know, and a uh, couple of free drinks, but free food, all that sort of stuff. So we were like, fuck yeah, we'll do that. Um, yeah. They were good nights yeah. as well from what I remember. Yeah, I mean, uh, Royal Rumble and WrestleMania was always good. SummerSlam, not quite. Survivor Series was that pulling teeth. We had, we had to perform in front of six people and, and two bar staff. Uh, obviously, like, for people that weren't there, these weren't wrestling shows. These were improv shows. We were doing. Um, Chris is going to hate me for this, but I want to say it was either SummerSlam or Survivor Series. I'm going to say SummerSlam because it was warm. Um, we'd do games on stage. We'd have people cutting promos, which was the absolute best. We couldn't have a wrestling show and walk around Tanley, but we had a microphone. And as long as we've got a microphone, we can think of stuff to do. So we're having like fans cutting promos to the to the audience and walkabouts and the largest boo won a prize, won shots, won inflatable um kangaroos, whatever we, we <laughs> give, I don't, whatever we could find behind the DJ booth, which was fucking brilliant. Um yeah, we were kind of like doing stuff like that. We had so apologies, Chris, when you edit this back, but we had Chris being iced Jesus. Yep. He was, so he has he, was, he has his arms out like Jesus, like kind of put palms facing upwards. We had two girls, Saz and Sen, play ice kind of Jenga, perhaps. They they took an ice cube at a time. They could put it anywhere on or in Chris. And when he <laughs> when he shouted, I quit, it was like an ice to Jesus ice quit match, which is fucking brilliant. Ice oh, quit. And they put him in his pants and his socks and his mouth. Oh, I miss them days. I miss them days so much. Poor Chris. <laughs> well, he did. He did fall asleep during one pay per view. So we did. <laughs> we, we decorated him. We had shot glasses on his forehead. Oh, it was it was so good. Walk about Hanley. We miss you so much. You you're a right. dying. Well, yeah. This this podcast has been all about death. I mean, you keep bringing up the death. I'm just, you know, I mean, I'm just uh, trying to steer it away. Well, you keep mentioning people that are dead. It's <laughs> <laughs> fuck's sake. So, do do I tell him that the, the, out of the seven people he's just mentioned, five are dead? I don't know. And yeah. Two, and it, two, and it, are, and it, two are nonsies. I don't know if I dare fucking say it. Yeah, yeah, it's not uh, funny. But this is this is what getting old is. It's like you don't see somebody for 10 years, and it's like, well, have you heard Ethel died? And it's like, oh, no, not Ethel. <laughs> 
And uh, no, but it, it's not funny because you know these people were far too young, weren't they? It's it's, it's actually it's actually terrible. When when you told me about Ryan Smile, I was like my jaw actually dropped because he was a, he was so young and he was such a he was such a talented guy, so full of charisma and a, and a great lad. Yeah, obviously, we definitely don't want this. I mean, we had a good sort of two-hour conversation, so I do want to try and wrap it up a little. I mean, let's be honest. Me and you could talk for eight hours straight, and it would be it would be it would be perfectly listenable, but only by me and you. People would tap out about the hour point. But <laughs> yeah. um, well, I, I don't want to end this on like a bad note. But I'm gonna float an idea: Is Matt Castle gonna, gonna ever gonna make a comeback? Do you ever see? You in a, in a position in wrestling where you want to perform again, whether it's even as a not as a heel or babyface, but as an announcer, a commentator. Um, if you'd have asked me this, I don't know. It's tricky. It's tricky because when I walked away, I I didn't plan on walking away forever, and I even met up with Simon Brown about six months later, and I'd come into actually a little bit of money at the time, and I was. I think you're talking about, you know, getting back involved with SWA and maybe investing some money into it. And then we had a nice couple of chats, but it never led anywhere. And then as time went on, I was quite happy to not be involved. Um, my mindset is now, do I miss it sometimes? Could I do without it? Yes. Um, if anything ever presented itself, I would I would think about it. But uh, that's probably as, as far as I would go. That's just, yeah, that's all I'd say on that. I think I'd, I'd think about it depending on what it was. I, th- I don't think I'm going to go and seek anything out. But uh, if something presented itself, like, um, I don't know, if United Wrestling ever did like an anniversary show when we're bringing, you know, I don't even think people, I don't even think they had a, a fan base where people would even care that much after all these years. But something along those lines, I would, you know, I would, I would do something like that. But it would have to be, it'd have to be something that would like, I don't know. I, I, I would have. To, I would have to see. I would have to see. So there we are, ladies and gents. Uh, there is a little bit of hope at the end of the tunnel. Now, if you do go on Matt, Matt Castle's Facebook page, because he's still got it up, um, nearly every picture, like some of the last pictures you've put up, and they are up about five years ago, six years ago, something like this. You're getting sting faced by everybody. It seems. Yeah, good times. Perks of the business, eh? I mean, did, did you book that or? Yeah, that was actually the last show I ever did for United. Um, <laughs> yeah, it was excellent. Um, so I would going, I'd, going I'd, out on top, definitely. Yeah. On on yeah. <laughs> it was. Um, I was managing the, uh, the heel group at the time, known as the Enclave, and we had a Survivor Series tag. And it was out us against Paul Malin's team. And then if, if they won, they would get five minutes in the ring uh, with Matt Castle. The, the, the match is on YouTube if anyone wants to go back and, and, and see it. And, uh, yeah, they beat me up a little bit. And then every single one of them gave me a stink face. It was lovely. Oh, my God. And people um, said that I had my nose up Paul Malin's arse all those years. So, you know, they got the photographic proof there. I mean, like I've looked at I looked at the pictures probably for a bit too long if, if I'm going to be honest with you. And you <laughs> you don't shy away. It's like you don't put your head out of the ring like a lot of people do when when they've got to take the sting face. I mean, you are in for a penny, in for a pound. There's no two ways about that. Yes, thank you, thank you. <laughs> if things, if that's your legacy, 
if that's the the last thing people see of you and go, you know what, I'm never returning, I'm never doing an anniversary show, I'm never doing this, 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 and this. Are you are you happy? Are you happy with all you've said and done? Yeah. What a way to go out. What a way to come back. You giving this sting face to the people that gave you this sting face. Ah, bucket. They are. I've done it. It didn't take. It took me two hours, but I finally. <laughs> yes. It's taken two hours and nine years, but I've got Matt to agree with me. Woo! Fuck's sake. <laughs> Edit the that part. Time, out. Yeah, yeah. The next time he agrees, will be in another eight or nine years. Okay now. Yeah. But I do like a challenge. So fuck it. Why not? Um, you haven't really got anything to promote, per chance. No, not really. Um, I had that Matt Castle wrestling page that had actually close to a thousand likes on Facebook. And then obviously, because it hasn't been updated for years, that's, you know, dwindled down to like 700 and something. But it's still there. When this uh, show drops, you'll have to let me know and I uh, will uh, share it on there. Well, I, I did tag your Matt Castle page on my sort of Facebook story. So I wondered if the number went up since I tagged your page. Mate? There's probably 5,000 likes on there now. I am definitely that popular, obviously. <laughs> <laughs> no, honestly, mate, this, this has been fantastic. I knew like, you weren't going to fucking hold back. If someone's a dick, you're going to call them a dick. And we've, we've, we've touched upon it. You know, we, we've fallen out. We're kind of like, you know, we've got the band back together a little bit. Um, maybe we reach out to Mark and Bear. What would you say? Even if we just said hello to them one time. Cross sure. that bridge. You know, so ladies and gents, this has been Series 3, Episode 8 of Snap, Crackle and Cheap Pups. My name's Phil Woodvine. He's Matt Castle. Thank you very much for listening. Good night. Thanks for listening. Check out Pro Wrestling For You on all social media platforms and stream our back catalogue of shows over at pw4uondemand.co.uk.